is the name of the Lord. This is D.K. Grooms with Rock Solid Truth, and I am so glad that you have joined with us today. If you got your Bibles, please turn to Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And I want you to understand something, that you are more than a conqueror. You are the head of the chair. You are blessed with all spiritual blessings, and the Lord says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Praise the name of God. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Mute your phones. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you and praise you today for your mercy and your grace, and I want to thank you for what you're doing in the midst of your children. Thank you, Lord, for those that have come online tonight. I pray that I pray that you will touch them, move upon them, strengthen them to hear the word and that word be planted in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. For the past couple of weeks, I have been bringing to you revelations concerning the function and the operation of the Holy Ghost, the Comforter. I have covered a tremendous amount of information and revelation. Look at John chapter 16, verse 8. John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. This scripture has been misinterpreted, misused, misapplied when it comes to teaching the child of God about the Holy Spirit. And the reason that it's been misused, misinterpreted, and misapplied is because of religion and religious organization. Because they have taught that it's the Holy Spirit that brings unworthiness, condemnation, wailing and travailing because of the unconfessed sin in our lives. We've been taught, the church has taught multitudes of people that it's the Holy Spirit that makes us feel miserable whenever we do something that is wrong. It's the Holy Ghost that makes us feel the wrath of God and the displeasure of God until we confess it, repent of it, and come clean before God. We've been taught that the Holy Spirit is the one who makes us realize how unrighteous that we really are. And it's the Holy Spirit that drives us to the place to do something so that we can be accepted by God, forgiven by God. And I want Um, you to know it's a lie. It's a lie. Can I stop you? No, you cannot. Uh, I'm sorry, because I have to repent. Because I have been taught those things, and I haven't repented of that. I thought that you I, could be I, in trouble, right? We will We will talk after the broadcast. Okay, sorry, sir. It's a lie. The function and the it's operation of the Holy Spirit is to bring you to a place of confidence and assurance and relationship confidence. where you are to walk filled with the fullness of God. Let me say that again. The function and the operation of the Holy Spirit is to bring you to a place of confidence, to bring you to a place of assurance, not a place of condemnation or a place of unworthiness, so that you can be, so you can walk in the fullness and the fullness of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. 
and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you. This is what Jesus Christ wants to do with you. This is what God the Father wants to do in you, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. And when you become born again, I want you to understand something. That At that day when you become born again, you were filled with the fullness of God. If you are baptized in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you are filled with the fullness of God. And this is the function of the Holy Spirit. And that is for you to know the love of Christ. It passes your knowledge. You can't wrap your mind about it so that you can be filled with all the fullness of God. The only way that you can understand this is by faith through the Spirit man. Look at John chapter 16, verse 9. Jesus begins to explain himself. He said, of sin, because they believe not on me. Here is the sin that the Holy Ghost comes to reprove man of. Notice the scripture. It does not say the sins of man. It says the sins of man. The Holy Spirit does not come to reprove man of his individual sins. He does not come to reprove us of our actions or even our motives. What he comes to reprove man of is one sin, and that sin is not believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. He reproves us of that which exists in our heart, which is the cause of all of our actions. I want to say that again. He reproves us of that which exists in our heart, which is the cause of all of our actions. This is so very important, because if you embrace this teaching, which states that it's the Holy Ghost that makes you miserable, and it's the Holy Ghost that brings condemnation over your sin, then how are you going to deal with Romans chapter 8, verse 1, where it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Sorry, man. This means that Christ and the Holy Spirit are in opposition with each other. If you're to believe that it's the Holy Ghost that drives you to that altar to make you miserable. How are you going to deal with the Word of God in Christ himself, who states that the Holy Spirit is another comforter, just like himself? When Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, I want you to understand that it's the Holy Ghost that's saying the exact same thing. You see, the type of teaching that is coming forth out of the church states that it's the Holy Spirit that makes us miserable. It's a lie from hell. It's a lie from the devil. It's no wonder that people are so messed up. It's no wonder that people don't want to spend any time in the presence of God or the Holy Spirit. The Word of God tells us that in His presence, there is fullness of joy. It's the path of life. Pleasures at His right hand forevermore. Psalm 16, verse 11. Look what it says. Thou wilt show me the path of life. We're talking here about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. This is the word of God. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Not fullness of misery. 
not fullness of condemnation, fullness of joy. At thy right hand mm-hmm. are pleasure forevermore. Here's Revelation. God says, I want to show you the path of life. And yet the picture that the church wants to bring to us is that God is mad. God's angry. God is vengeful. God is mad because of abortion. God is mad because of homosexuality. God is mad over the sins of America. God is mad that his people are not praying and seeking his faith. The Word of God does teach that, yes, God was angry in the Old Testament. Yes, God will pour his wrath out in the great tribunal period. But up until that time, the Word of God says that Jesus Christ appeased the anger of the Father, and that God the Father is satisfied. Look at Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10. Isaiah 53, verse 10. I love this scripture. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Who are we talking about here? We're talking about Jesus, his son. And hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquity. God was, God the Father was satisfied with the, with the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made. The Word of God says that it pleased the Father to bruise him. It pleased him to put him to grief. You know, that's so hard to understand. And yet he loved us so much that he would send his son to be bruised, to hang on a cross, to be whipped, to be his blood pouring out on the sand, simply because he loved us so much. And the Lord was satisfied with that sacrifice. If If God the Father is satisfied, who are you? to say that that, that that sacrifice was not acceptable. Why are you believing that the Holy Ghost is to make you miserable? He's to bring you into the fullness of joy. Yeah. You see, the reason that you drink alcohol, if you do, the reason that you do drugs, if you do, the reason that you lie and cheat, if you do, the reason that you're not healed, the reason that you're not delivered, the reason that you walk in condemnation, the reason that you do not walk in intimacy with the God, the reason that you don't go to church, you don't walk on the path of life, is because you do not believe that the sacrifice that Christ made was acceptable. You do not depend totally on the Son of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Now, I need to read that again because I need to go over this. It's so powerful. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity, but was in all points tempted like we are. So here's what the scripture is telling us. Christ was tempted in all points like we are tempted, but without sin. So I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe that Christ was tempted with cocaine? Mm -hmm. 
marijuana, divorce, alcohol, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, road rage, pornography, the Internet. The Word of God tells us that Christ was tempted in all points like as we are, and yet the things that we encounter, Jesus Christ never encountered. Never. So if you believe that all of these things are sin and the temptation of sin, then Jesus could never have been tempted in all points like we are. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward in hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. What was the temptation of Christ? Many believe that it was turning the stones into bread. There is no sin in turning stones into bread. Nor is there any temptation to sin by turning stones into bread. Nowhere in the Word of God is there any problem with turning stones into bread. The temptation was when, Jesus, when Satan said, If thou be the Son of God, there's the temptation. If thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. The reason that Satan confronted Christ in a time of vulnerability because it was at that time that Christ was weakened in the flesh because he had just fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He had been without eating and he had been without drinking. Satan approaches him in his weakest hour and says, in his hunger, if thou be the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Here's the temptation. If thou be the Son of God, the temptation, the attack, is knowing who you are. If thou be the Son of God, look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. And when Jesus, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, I want you to grasp this because this is powerful. The Father has just spoken. A voice from heaven has just spoken. This is what he says. This is my beloved Son. Jesus is walking towards John the Baptist to be baptized. This voice from heaven, from God the Father, speaks and it says, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Christ has to receive that word. Christ has to grasp that word. Christ has to know who he is because the Father has spoken. You see, Esau didn't get it. Esau didn't know who he was. Esau did not know that he was the eldest son of the high priest. Esau did not know that he held the position of power and authority as the eldest in the household. At his time of vulnerability, at his time of weakness, what does Esau do? He sold his birthright. He sold it for a bowl of chili. He sold his right to be the high priest. 
You see, when you don't know who you are, when you are vulnerable, when you don't know your true identity, when you don't know who you are in Christ, you are going to be swayed by any voice that speaks to you. The Father's just spoken. Jesus is walking down the road. Other people have heard the voice. They don't know whether it's thunder. They don't know what it is. But the Father has just spoken, and he says, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Jesus had to accept that word by faith. He had to accept that word by faith that he was the Son of God. Not only did Jesus have to accept that word, but John the Baptist had to accept that word by faith, too. Because he was the cousin of Jesus, and he had to believe and accept by faith that Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of the living God. When Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, Whom do they say that I am? Peter said, Some say thou art Elias. Some say a prophet. But I say, Thou art the Christ. This is what Jesus said to Peter. Flesh and bone has not revealed this unto you, but my Father. Peter had to accept it by faith. The sin of unbelief. The sin of not believing on him is made manifest at this time of vulnerability. You see, the sin, the temptation, is to get you to doubt who you are. To get you to believe that you are not a son and a daughter of God. To get you to doubt who you are in Christ. And this is the same temptation that comes to all of us. All of us. That's why Jesus Christ was tempted in all points like as we are. Because that is the one sin that comes to every single one of us. The sin of unbelief. Let us pray. Father, I want to thank you and praise you today. I want to magnify you, glorify, and magnify who you are, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the word. Thank you, Lord, for the abundance of that word. I pray now that every ear, every eye that has heard this message shall find truth, and that truth shall make them free. I'll give you all the praise and all the glory. Your people will give you all the praise and all the glory. This is D.K. Groove with Lock Solid Truth. Go with God, and I guarantee you, beloved, he will surely go with you. Thank <laughs> you.